0: Welcome to the Ruby Book Club podcast,
1: where we read an hour of Ruby Book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Saran, developer and founder of Code Newbie, And I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works. So today is a very special and a bit sad, well, it's, it's very sad, but it's the last episode of Ruby Book Club. Oh no. I know, was that a surprise to you, Saran? <laughs> I had no idea.
0: I thought we were reading today. No, it is uh, the end of Club, and
1: I think it's been a pretty good run. It's been almost two years, right, since we first started. Yes, our first episode, Avdi Grimm's Confident Ruby, was released on the 23rd of March 2016. So we didn't quite make two years, but that's pretty solid. Thanks.
0: Almost, almost, yeah. And how many episodes, With with this episode, how many
1: episodes will we have produced? We would have produced, I think, around 73. 73, nice. I think that's pretty good. That is pretty good. And so for today, we thought we'd have a quick chat with you around why we're deciding to end Ruby Book Club, why we started it in the first place and what we learned from the podcast. And we hope that even though the podcast no longer exists, you'll continue reading your Ruby books with enthusiasm and rigour.
0: Mhm, <laughs> very nice, okay, so the why are we ending it? I think that one's pretty straightforward. We're just really busy. We have a lot of projects to do. I've got Konubi, you've got ignition works. have a bunch of other little things we're working on, and uh, yeah, I think our time is better spent focusing on that stuff. It's really just that simple. What about you?
1: Yeah, you pretty much said it all, I think. At the time when we started it, we were very worried about being detached from our Ruby skills, we were both doing jobs that didn't involve a lot of development, and this was our way of staying accountable and also sharing that with our listeners, and now we're just at the point, like you say, where we're both actually doing more coding, Uh, we've had the benefit of coding together on some stuff, and also in our day jobs we are doing more development, and... The stuff that we're reading, whilst we enjoy it overall, it's not always directly applicable to the work we've been doing. And so that combined with the the chore and the time spent having to edit each week and read each week, it's becoming harder and harder to justify. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And when we think about why we started it, we came up with this idea. Was it RubyConf or RailsConf? RubyConf 2015 I think it was Ru- in San Antonio. RubyConf, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting in a big, empty conference room, I think it was right after mm-hmm. Andy's talk Andy right Quill. Andy Craws talk yeah mm-hmm. he gave an awesome talk about i think it was image optimization for uh for your rails app and he uh he he finished and you and i were in the audience and we just kind of hung out and talked and we were like you know we've been We've been talking about how we're going to read books and we are going to read these programming books. We never do. We never make time. Why don't we turn into a show and see if that'll get us to to commit to reading books? And it has. We have read, I think we we got through like four, right? Well, we didn't finish Ruby we'll in our microscope, but we got pretty close. So I think we we at least started and got through
1: most of four programming so books, four books. So we didn't finish 99 bottles just because the book wasn't, the last chapter wasn't out. And that's not on us. As far as as I'm concerned, we finished 99 bottles. And we also stopped refactoring Ruby early because we felt like it wasn't quite the right fit for us. (laughs) Yeah, that did not work. No. But out of the Mm. three, out of Confident Ruby, 99 bottles and Ruby under a microscope, we did a very good job, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And frankly, that's a lot more reading than I would have done without you. So I'm very grateful to you for uh, going on this journey with me. Definitely with technical books.
1: Because I always read... Um, I regularly read, you know, fiction and nonfiction, but I don't really get round to reading technical books. So I've definitely read a lot more in the two years than I would have done otherwise.
0: So what's been really interesting to me in this experience is has been the challenge of connecting what we read about to what we actually do. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's been a lot harder than I thought. I kind of assume, you know, I I code in Ruby, I use Ruby, you know, the CodeNuby app is built on Ruby on Rails. And so I assumed as long as I'm reading about Ruby and reading about Rails, obviously I'll be able to carry what we talk about into my projects. But that hasn't really been the case. I feel like, you know, even when you say, like, I'm a Ruby developer, that's still a big enough title and a big enough job that reading any book about Ruby doesn't necessarily apply you know I think it just depends on what it is that you're specifically doing and the problems you're solving and I was surprised to find out that there just there frankly wasn't a lot of stuff that I at least you know to my knowledge I was able to explicitly bring over to my coding experience what
1: about you? I think I agree with you. I wonder whether there is stuff that we've brought over, but we just haven't realized it because we don't go, oh, that's chapter three from Confident Ruby, or, oh, that's that little example that we worked through in Ruby under a microscope. I do suspect that the general experience of the last two years has made us better developers. But I think what I found is, particularly with refactoring Ruby and Confident Ruby, Those books were organized in sort of, here's a very specific case study we're going to go over. And when you get to something that looks like Mm -hmm. X, do Y. And I think the problem is often to, to prove a point, and even this was the case sometimes in Ruby Under a Microscope, the examples are really contrived. And so you often don't spot them when you're coding day to day. And often I think a lot of the stuff we do do is pretty vanilla and pretty um, straight off the road so, so you mm-hmm. don't really go. Ooh, yeah. now I'm gonna do this. I wonder if it would have been different if we'd been both in jobs where we were working on really big legacy apps that weren't our own code. Like I think both the apps mm-hmm. we work on, I, I mm-hmm. know Code Code Newbies, a pretty big code base. I've I've worked on it a bit myself, but it's still got this feel of you know we can we understand the whole code base. Do you know what I mean? We can grasp it. Whereas. Yeah. I have in the past worked on code bases where i don 't even see half the code base, and maybe in that kind of setting we we would um, spot more uh, applicable lessons. I, do you remember in um, the in the forward of Refactoring Ruby, there was um, what I can't remember who wrote it, but he said that he carried Refactoring Ruby around under his arm like a like a reference book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like we weren't in that situation. Mm-hmm, if we'd mm-hmm. been, you know, in that kind of environment, we carry it around. and We're like, ooh, this is really painful. Let's search in the book for how to fix this. We ha- we weren't really feeling the pain in that way. Um, so yes, I don't think it was as specifically applicable as I was hoping, but I feel like generally I've been exposed to a lot more things and I now have reference points to go back to, um, and, and to revise later on, particularly if I do find myself in, in these painful situations. Yeah.
0: And even using it as a reference, it, it made me wonder how how does one do that so the thing about a reference book right is if I for example a dictionary if I come across a word that I don't know I can go well let me find that word in the dictionary but when it comes to coding and I say oh I'm you know I'm stuck on this problem where I don't know how to refactor it what do you look up you know what I mean like what's the equivalent of like the words like the the word that you don't know the definition of, and so when I was thinking about that forward that uh, that was written in the Refactoring Ruby book, I I saw that and I thought, oh, that's really cool. But then I was wondering how literally how do you do that? Are you you know how do you even know what to look for, especially when the Refactoring Recipes in that in that book specifically had you know names of recipes that you kind of only know if you already know the recipe. So yeah, that match that matching
1: is something I'm I'm very curious about. I suspect you do that matching mainly in two steps. I think one, if you happen to work with people who know the vocabulary, so they go, oh, this looks like blah mm, blah. Yeah, that's true. And then you go and study it in the book later yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um the other one is if you have, like we've done, read the book before and you happen to remember, oh, that thing looks familiar, or that might be that pattern that I saw. Let me go and check and then you stumble across it. But I agree with you. And I think that's why we found it difficult to be applicable. Because you don't really remember, particularly if you're reading it the way we're reading it from cover to cover, it's a lot of things. They all right, merge right, into right. one. So I think it's one of those things where over time with experience, enough time someone says, oh, that's the decorator pattern or whatever. And then eventually it sinks mm-hmm. in. But yeah, maybe we were too optimistic, hoping for <laughs> just making our brains too a helpful. library of all of these <laughs> patterns and recipes and solutions.
0: Yeah, I think you're right with um with especially cuz you know you and I kind of basically work like on our own so we're not part of like really big companies with teams and teams of developers and you know that kind of thing and so if we if we were you know if i did work on a on a big dev team with you know mentors and ctos and stuff to refer to i can totally see a situation where i'm like oh i'm struggling with this and someone says oh just use you know x y pattern and then i go look Mm -hmm. that up in one of those books so yeah i think that context is probably something that um that we're missing that that would have been beneficial for sure So what was your favorite book of the the ones that we read?
1: So I know it's between 99 Bottles and Ruby Under a Microscope. And I think Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to go with 99 Bottles. And that's because it wins on narrative. It wins on being the book that's most applicable to my day-to-day in the sense that I think of that book and I think, Mm -hmm. okay, first step, Shameless Green. Second step, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. find the smallest difference. Like I've got a applicable, I could probably distill that book into four or five points. I need to go revise it and actually finish chapter six to, to get to complete the story. But I think 99 Bottles has to be my favorite book because it's, the most applicable today to day. I've got clear digestible principles that I can take away from it. I love that it was one big problem that we worked through the whole book. So with Ruby under a microscope, there were so many interesting, fascinating insights. But one, it was a you know, it was heavy and dry times because it was all about the internals. And I have to say, it's given me a lot. For example, it's inspired my next technical talk. And I am and I do think that knowing more about internals can really help uncover the language and help you in a broad sense feel more comfortable with playing around with it but it was you know each chapter was something different and it wasn't really one long narrative and so that's why it has to be 99 bottles for me Mm -hmm. what about you?
0: Yeah, I I loved Ruby under a microscope because frankly it made me feel really smart. Mm. You know, I was like, "Ooh, look at me looking at these diagrams and <laughs> figuring things out and making connections." You know what I mean? Like it just made me feel like a like a smart technical person. So it was great for my ego. But in terms of when I when I think of the balance between cognitive load and value, I think ninety nine bottles was was a great balance. You know, I felt like I was pushing myself and it was enough. Interesting and new information that I, you know, I had to like, I had to think, I had to try, but it was still just really, really high value and definitely the most applicable out of uh, out of the four books that we um, that we did on the show. So yeah, I think Nine Nine Bottles wins. It also made me, you know, I don't know what your takeaway is on just books in general, but it was really interesting to see how different technical books could be. You know, like I, I'm so used to, I feel like the, the closest The most experience I have with technical books is like college books, you know, like those, you know, big textbooks. And they all feel like they're written the same way. You know, from what I remember, they all feel like they're different subjects, but like same style, same format, just really dry and boring, no personality. And it was really interesting that we read four very different technical books, and they felt different. They looked different. Some were more narrative-driven. Some were more uh, contrived. Some were very specific, little, little examples. And it it was just really interesting to see how different the styles were and the way that um, this, you know, the, the same idea of, like, ruby is talked about and presented in very very different ways so that was just it was like an interesting thing that i i noticed in the uh, almost two years of been doing this
1: yeah we did happen to choose a, a good mix didn't we so it it gave i think each of the episodes a different flavor as well
0: yeah absolutely so do you have plans on what you're going to read next or are you gonna give ruby books a break for a while
1: I definitely am going to finish off the last four chapters of Ruby Under a Microscope. So that's all on like metaprogramming and garbage nice. collection. Otherwise, I'll probably never read about that stuff. So I think <laughs> it's based on Good what done. Yeah, based on what Pat's shown us in the first eight chapters, I have high hopes for him really breaking that stuff down. And I think it's useful knowledge just from a computer science perspective. And then I'm going to finish off 99 Bottles. I've been meaning to do that for ages. Finish off chapter six, go over that stuff again, make sure I've got my bullet points ready for the flocking rolls and all of that so I can apply that to my day-to-day Ruby coding. And then I might move... More to computer science. I'm really interested in exploring Mm -hmm. more of Vaidehi's base CS posts. So it's not quite a technical book, but I kind of want to work through all of her posts one by one and ramp up my Mm -hmm. computer science knowledge. Yeah. What about you? I like that.
0: Yeah. I think that what I really want to understand more at this point is front end and web performance. I think that's what that's kind of like been my takeaway from reading Ruby books for a while is when I think about the things that to me are a bigger mystery and a mystery that um you know if I like solved my own mystery then it would be really valuable to me is like the front end stuff like I you know I I know CSS I know HTML but it's not the most organized in the world it gets messy very quickly you know with Ruby on Rails I feel like you know I don't think I'm like the greatest Ruby developer or anything but I I don't ever really feel – there are very few times where I'm coding where I feel, like, stuck Mm. or, oh, God, I I don't really know how to do this, where I feel like on the front end, every single time I'm like, oh, God, is this the right way to, you know, to do this? Should I – is this style sheet too long? Is it, you know, am I, am I naming my classes correctly? Like I, just, I just don't really feel like I have any rules for that side of things. And uh, as a result, I don't really feel like, I think my, you know, my pages load too slowly. I don't really know much about image optimization, even after Andy's awesome talk. Um, so I think that I can benefit the most personally from just reading a book and understanding that side of things. So that's probably where my reading will take me next.
1: Interesting because you know, I've just been thinking, I'm hoping to ship a few side products this year. I've just been doing one project where we've got this nice image on the homepage and it takes forever to load. I've been trying to redesign my Mm -hmm. personal website and design one of my other projects coming up, and I'm really struggling. I've been trying to work with one of my designer friends who's been teaching me a lot, but you know, I feel like I need to ramp Mm. up my skills. So, this is a really long winded way of saying front-end design and web performance book club podcast. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Don't tease me like that. I might
0: actually take you up on that because that is something that, you know, it's one of those things where I just, I keep saying to myself, you know, if, if I just, read a book on this I feel like things could be so much faster and so much easier you know it's like um because like I never really learned it like even when I did my boot camp I think we spent like a couple days on javascript maybe a day on HTML CSS. like we didn't really learn any of that stuff so I've, I've never had a good framework or a foundation so my version of learning the front end has been occasionally googling different uh you know like frameworks so like once in a while I'll google um smacks and I'll read like one blog post on it and I'm like this is great now I'm going to fix all my you know all my front end and then it of course doesn't do much because I haven't invested enough time in learning it. So yeah, that might actually be a good idea. Let's let's think about that. Let's
1: not get too excited, but yeah, that that is good. I like that. What do you mean I already bought the domain name and have scheduled the first recording? <laughs> <laughs> and this will be episode 1. <laughs> Welcome to the Front End Book Club podcast. <laughs> The Feb. (laughs) Okay, we'll take this offline. Fun and Book Club. Okay, deal, deal, deal. So, I guess, things I'm interested in to people who've been listening to us and following our journey. uh, What was your favorite book out of the four we looked at and why? And also, do you know, have you read any other books that have a similar experience to 99 Bottles or a book that's written in a similar accessible way to Ruby under a microscope. I'd love to know about them. And as you just heard, Saron and I are looking to ramp up our front end skills and also our knowledge of web performance. So if you know any great books that we can read, please tweet to us at Ruby Book Club. Yeah, that'd be awesome.
0: So yeah, I guess you know we we usually end by saying see you next week, but I, I guess we can't do that. So how shall we end? See you, see you on the interwebs?
1: No, that sounds so dated. See you on Twitter? Yeah, maybe? we'll see you on Twitter, I guess. So we'll keep up the Ruby Book Club account, at least in the near future. And you can reach both of us at, so you can reach Saran at Saran and you can reach me at N Odile. Nice. And we'll have that in the, uh, in the show notes as well.
0: So thank you all so much for listening to us as we
1: read and we
0: learn more about Ruby. Uh, It's been it's been an awesome ride. Thank you all for listening.
1: And one last time. Cheerio. (laughs) Nice.